Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we get the news from New York, Fall with Peter Parker, find out what's going on in metal, and get reborn with The Flash. Stay tuned for all this and more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! <laughs> oh jeez! All right, Nick apparently died for thirty <laughs> seconds. No, it was uh, a very brief, brief uh, moment of non-existence. That, and I uh, forgot to hit the mute button on my thing, which I literally five seconds before said, "I bet I will forget to unmute myself." <laughs> and as he starts talking, because I don't always know when you like are like waiting for me to. After you know, I say, "Welcome to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast." Well, sometimes I do the Heck Yeah, and then other times I. I don't, and then, like, and sometimes you just immediately start in a tangent about, uh-huh. like, a soccer ball you were in love with as a child. Well, I do have a tangent and... to go on. Oh, but well, uh, I... Be, I won't get in your way. Can continue. Well, I was going to say, I'm I'm David, that's Nick, you're the listening audience, and this is the podcast where we talk about comic books and the news that and that surrounds them, along with the movies and the books that come out in the Flabin. Um, but my tangent this week is apparently I now I live in the place where humidity is born. It is getting ridiculous the level of humidity that I have to deal with on a daily basis. I am from Arizona where humidity is not a thing. I just do I have to petition my congressman to get rid of the humidity? How does that work? Um Though it seems like politics controls a lot of aspects of our lives, humidity... It certainly controls my Twitter feed. I know. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Political people are on Twitter. Uh, But as far as I know, they have not figured out how to control the humidity yet. That sounds like But if they could, they would definitely pass a law for humidity lobbyists so that you would get charged to be able to turn the humidity down. Yeah, how much do they want? (laughs) I'm willing to negotiate a price here. No, there wouldn't be any negotiation. They will, the lobbyists will tell you what you have to pay, and then you either have to pay it or suffer. Um, All right. First of all, I don't think you understand what a lobbyist is. I know what a lobbyist is. They go and lobby stuff. Oh boy! But on the, I'm saying on the flip side of that, once they're done lobbying, whoever, whatever corporations are controlling the ability to control humidity, will then set a price that you either have to pay or screw you. Well, but here's the thing then, that... Unless we can get a lot of humidity corporations that have to compete with each other and thus drive prices down. Why isn't but Elon... even then, it would be, you might have a cheap price, but there could be some people that can afford to turn humidity Should... down more than other people. Also, are we what? thinking a subscription-based service for being able to control humidity, like an a la carte or an a la carte thing? Or are we just going to do like maybe a, a humidity and like a humidity plus package? I, you What's know, the vision here's here? all right. Well, 
because here's the thing because i it couldn't be a subscription that i pay because what if my neighbor doesn't pay it like do they not turn down the humidity for him this is like an implant that like your body is how it processes said humidity here's what i want to you're projecting an anti-humidity feel to some level so okay so it would be a device that i would purchase why isn't elon musk working on this yet is what i want to know I bet ten dollars. Nope. Nope. Five dollars. That's, that's too much money. A dollar. I bet. I bet a dollar. Ninety-eight cents. That within the next week, Elon Musk will publicly come out and be like, "Check out this humidity thing." Well, as we I mean, as we know, Elon Musk listens to this podcast. He has written in yes. several times. Yes, uh, we just don't. We didn't mention it until now because it wasn't relevant. Right. It's not like a Chekhov's podcast thing. Yeah, no. I mean, you guys, we do refer to our mystery write-in all the time. Um, Maybe maybe it was a little bit telling when we referred to them as uh, as Melon-esque. People may have cracked that code. You barely tried with that one. I mean, (laughs) what what, what do you got? Huh? Huh? Give it to me right Uh, now. Musk-Alon. Musk-Alon. Muscalon. Who? Also, how does Elon Musk not have his own like perfume or cologne line? Because that's too obvious. Elon Musk. I'm just saying, while he's building solar panels and spaceships, he could be selling cologne literally with his name on it. Well, I'm pretty sure you could go ask him about that, and then he would be like, well, I do secrete a scent uh, from my scent sacks. That's what we do on the planet I'm from, because no, Elon Musk is a Martian, literally oh, yeah. from Mars. He okay, got, he got right. he got All stranded right. here, uh, and he's been trying to get back to Mars ever since. You know how sometimes on, especially on the show, but in general, probably every day in my real life, uh-huh. I will ask kind of obvious questions or ask questions to, that that have answers that I probably should know because I've made it past the fifth grade. And I ask them anyway, and then usually you insult me, and we all laugh about it, yeah. and then I we cry myself time. to sleep. Uh-huh. You know those questions? Yep. I almost asked one, but I didn't, so now Ooh. I'm telling you how I almost nope, you didn't got it. ask you have to bring it up out of context. You have, to, you have to bring it up. What's the question? Honestly, at this point, I have forced myself to forget no, it. No, you haven't. Do not, do not try to pull that on me. I know no. what you're trying to do. <laughs> what was not... the question? I am not going to let's see how the rest of the podcast goes because I'm assuming no one listens past the first 20 minutes and then maybe I'll bring it up at the end. People skip the first 20 minutes because they just know it's going to be bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess we can get into some tell me, tell me what it was. What what was it, Nick? Hey, Nick. Nick, come here. No, I'm not. Play the comic. What what do you do? News. Do the news. Hey, hey, real quick. Just come over here. Just come over here to the side. Hey, listener, listeners. Listeners, just uh, go go fold some laundry for a minute. Nick, it's just you and me. What was the question? David, let's go to the news. Our top story today. <laughs> After a disappointing summer, Humpty Dumpty has a great fall. Well, New York Comic Con is a thing that happened, and a number of news stories have come out of that. There were a lot of uh, a lot of panels. A lot of discussion. We got preview of stuff like Doomsday Clock coming up. IDW and other independent publishers announced uh, new imprints and new lines. Not really a lot of uh, a lot of big movie news. We did see a new 
Justice League trailer, which I know, Nick, you kind of refuse to watch. Um, but I will say does not spoil any plot stuff whatsoever and just kind of gives us a bigger overview of the action that we can hope to see uh, this November. Uh, there was... Well, we'll get into we'll get into Marvel stuff here in a little bit. Marvel did not have a good time, uh, but people who did have a good time were those that enjoy the milestone imprint because that is coming back. And I swear we have talked about this before. For talked about what the milestone imprint coming back? Oh, I mean, it's that thing that like they announced. It feels like years ago at this point about like that that they were trying to re reestablish it sometime after the new 52, I feel like it came because they tried integrating um, like static shock, what they've tried to do multiple times into the DC universe. And for whatever reason, probably because maybe they're just not putting the right weight behind it. It keeps failing. Uh, but I feel like static shock would do really well in the, the DC universe. I digress. Um, but they've always had talks about trying to integrate the milestone characters into DC publishing line. And for whatever reason, like it just took forever. So, but now it seems like it's finally on the docket. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So just kind of to expand on that a little bit uh, at New York Comic Con, there was a panel that was called The Return of the Dakota Universe in the Launch of Earth M, which is the milestone panel. Uh, so the founding members, two of the founding members, uh, Derek Dingle and uh, Denise Cowan and former milestone Creators Reginald Hudlin and Kyle Baker took to the stage to announce the imprint's real return. They also had a few new faces of people who would be working, uh, I mean, such as, or not working, but are associated, such as uh, Ken Lachey, Greg Pack, Jim Lee, and Alice Randall. Uh, Robert Kirkman even showed up at the panel, I guess. Uh, here is some of the stuff that is coming out, has been announced, uh, even has creative teams on it. You have Milestone number one, uh, Static Shock number one. You have Duo, uh, Love Army, and uh, I think this one called Amber. This this gets a little ambiguous here towards the end. Uh, but yeah, there are several several books coming out of this imprint uh, announced. Some th- such as Static Shock, as we've mentioned, are ones that people have really looked forward to, and we even got to see some early art uh, from some of the stuff, like that great image of Static holding that lightning bolt, uh, kind of an homage to uh, the Dark Knight Returns. Yep, saw that. That one was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and if there was a a duo concept as drawn by uh, Jim Lee but no real art from that one yet. Uh, this is really cool. This is really exciting. I am, uh, I'm, I love seeing superhero books. I know this is an imprint based off of DC, but it's kind of its own little superhero world. And I love having other superhero worlds to go off and explore when I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done with the big two. Right. It's, it is nice. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a book, it's a, or a universe, a, a franchise, not a franchise, um, a, a line of, of characters that really hit a core when they came out in the 90s. Uh, and it's the kind of thing that it's hard to know for sure. Like, it's very, very hard in the modern market to launch. I know there's like Lion Forge comics over off to the side that's trying to launch their own yeah, shared Lion Forge superhero universe. And of course, you've had Valiant, which I would say is the most recent 
um, success story. And I would like classify that they've been running long enough and running hot long enough to say that the Valiant Rebirth uh, has been a success story. Um, so at the end of the day, uh, it's too early to say like how kind of the milestone imprint will kind of develop and expand um, and, and how well the books do. I hope they do well. I do, I'm not like dying to read any of them per se. Uh, Static Shot, I might just because I feel like I never quite got on the ground floor with the original Static Run, except for the Static Shot cartoon, which I definitely loved as a kid. Um, so, you know, I'll definitely be keeping my eye on this beat and, uh, you know, see how it shapes up. So, okay. Okay. So I'm not crazy. We have talked a bit about this in the past. Milestone Media was reformed in January of 2015 and was talked about that year at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, where Jim Lee talked about how they're really, they were really excited to bring back the Dakota universe, uh, and I guess that was kind of the last we'd heard about anything for a while uh, until until this. And, hmm. uh, yeah, there was plans. Okay. At the time, DC plans were set for a separate line coexisting in the broader DC multiverse, but in a separate dimension, Earth-M, which Lee confirmed this month. Uh, this was a plan for titles including Static Shock, Icon, Rocket, and Zombie, with creators including Hudlin, Cowan, Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, uh, Ken Lachey, and Christopher Priest. So, okay, so we have talked about this before. I guess this is just things weren't really solidified until this panel. Uh, but very, very exciting stuff, and uh, I I hope that they are successful. And, you know, Milestone was always champagne, uh, championing words, man. Not championing, championing, uh, like, diversity in comics. And, heck, you know, heck, we need more of that all the time. Uh, moving on, I mean, a lot of a lot of DC news coming out of New York Comic Con. Uh, really, some really interesting stuff. Uh, like we got a first look at Lemire and Giffen's Inferior Five relaunch. Uh, they. What are, do you think of that? I, you know, that I don't. I'm not f- really familiar with the Silver Age team, uh, but it it seems. I mean, you know, I like Lemire quite a bit. Um, I was curious, what is, is he doing any superhero books right now? I have kind of lost track of Lemire as he far was, as his Marvel and DC work. Cause he was doing, uh, uh, Old Man Logan. doing something. Yeah. Old man Logan. And he did Hawkeye and he was on the X-Men books. And then, yeah, he, yeah, he did, uh, wait, wait, when did Lemire do? Oh, right. He did do Hawkeye briefly. Yeah. I had also done green arrow. Uh, I don't know what he's. I mean, other than maybe the Inferior Five, I, maybe he's just been backed up with. I mean, backed I mean, up, like it's a bad thing. He, right. he, I think he's mostly uh, focusing on creator own work. Right. I mean, yeah, well, he's, he's interesting been... with this Inferior Five announcement also is that um, there's going to be backups that Lemire's drawing, which is great because like this guy is like a workaholic in the industry and he still finds time. He's got like his own ongoing series from Image Comics that he writes and draws, but he can still find time. Yeah. To you know, do backups and like half of the other stuff that he does. I mean, just um, but to... he's doing backups in the Inferior Five for Peacemaker, which is a, I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong, is a Charlton Comics character, the one based off of the comedian, or the comedian's based off of Peacemaker. Um, I'm gonna have to double check that. Um, but that, that, but it's also interesting that he's doing 
if, if what I'm saying is true, that Pete, there's Peacemaker backups in Inferior 5, which is a Legion of Superheroes property. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a separate tangent, I so I noticed that the Inferior 5 is going to be a 12-issue series, and I feel like DC is leaning on to, like, they've got Mr. Miracle as, like, a 12-issue maxi-series, which I feel in some part was inspired by what Tom King also did with the Vision at Marvel as, like, a 12-issue series. Like, they're they're looking more at whether or not, the like, how close or loosely the the stories connect with the greater ongoing dc story that like they're telling these sort of prestige 12 issue series now where you can kind of just like here's a story read it love it you know maybe we'll do more if not like it's all in a nice tightly wrapped package mm-hmm. um and you know it's just a matter of time before we get the next next mr miracle series or the next inferior five series yeah tangent over <laughs> no it's cool i'm just I mean, i'm just looking at his line of work uh and man dude is so so busy uh he you know did the the after death stuff with scott snyder that wrapped up uh earlier this year royal city number one uh or royal city i should say which is an ongoing hit he's been working on uh descender is still ongoing he uh i I, wow wait plutona was like last year jeez why did that feel like not that long ago because time moves fast. Uh, I bet he's also doing work with Valiant right now. Uh, Bloodshot Salvation, I guess, is a, is a joint he's got going on. But yeah, the dude in the past couple of years, just looking at his uh, Wikipedia page, has just been nonstop going. Uh, so this is cool. I hope that this is like this is something that you know. It's it's kind of hard to determine if this is something that he was like hey they they just they, they kind of came to him he seems like at the point now in his career where they kind of come to him and are like hey what do you want to do and maybe he was like i've got this great idea for a an old team that nobody's really talked about in 20 to 30 years they're like sure why not jeff lemire your name grabs attention and then it'll run for six issues it's a 12 issue series i should say it's a 12 issue series which Good, good call on that. Don't try to force that as an ongoing. Uh, but yeah, that'll be that'll be some cool stuff and other team ups. Of course, we have uh, Scott Snyder, and why I why am I blanking on uh, who else? Sean Murphy. Boy, uh, we'll be teaming up for a series called dun, 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 Batman: The Last Night. Which I hear the last night now, and I think of Transformers the last night, and then it doesn't fill me with particular joy. Which I, you know, Transformers movies are what they are, but it's interesting. Uh, what's interesting is this, the description of the series, which is sort of a lone wolf and cub esque post apocalyptic dystopian Batman story where he's wandering around with the Joker's head. Like strapped to his waist, and let the me, Joker's head talks to him. Let me like read the description because the description is insane. Uh, Batman suddenly wakes up and he's young, but he wakes up in the post-apocalyptic wasteland, crawling out of the sand in this Gotham city that's been ruined. He's got the Joker's head chained to his belt, but it's alive and like you gotta move, kid. It's got old Wonder Woman, baby Superman. It's like my lone wolf and cub Batman story. I swear, they made this up on stage. <laughs> It was like they they got they were going down the line of stuff they got to announce and talk about, and it's like, oh oh, we're supposed to announce a new Batman story. Oh no, we didn't plan one out. 
it's uh, so, so it's it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, Bruce Wayne, right? It's uh, it's Batman. He's he wakes up, but he's uh, he's young. He's he's different, and uh, Gotham City's destroyed. He's crawling out of the sand, and uh, ah, it's it's crazy. He's got he's got uh, the Joker's head chained to his belt, but it's still alive, and it's talking to him. It's like you gotta move, kid. You gotta get going. And of course, it's, it's we're gonna see like uh, Wonder Woman, but she's old, and we're gonna see Batman or Superman, but he's a baby. It's like uh, it's like Lone Wolf and Cub. I love that you read the description and then turned around and then dramatized it. Yeah. And yeah. said it again. No, because they obviously they this is somebody paraphrasing uh, <laughs> what was said. I just that that had to be how this thing was announced because it's bananas. Well, it feels like it's going to be a while until we see it because Sean, Gur- Sean Gurdon, Gur- Gordon Murphy is working on Batman White Knight. Um, the story that came out a read. week ago, um, which features a heroic Joker and an unhinged Batman. Oh, and they uh, added I... an issue. A what? And they added an issue. And they added an issue. Uh, I did read the first issue. Issue. <laughs> talking today. Um, and I thought it was interesting. The art was, of course, great. Um, I don't know 100% how I feel about the story, but I trust enough in Sean Gordon Murphy's, you know, work uh, as a writer artist. Like I did, I really enjoyed his punk rock Jesus book that he did a few years back. Um, so I, I think the book definitely has white knight has potential. Um, but, uh, to piggyback off of that too, um, Sean, Sean, Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, said that, the last night, if you're getting confused, I apologize. Batman: The Last Night will be his last um, collaboration with a writer. He plans on retiring from from doing, I guess, work for hire as far as uh, working under a writer, and will be focusing exclusively on his own writer artist projects, Ooh, which well, is really interesting. That is interesting, and this will, according to Scott Snyder, be his last Batman story for a long time. Uh. Which I'm okay with. Yeah, I know you are. Um, and we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about metal here in a bit. But I feel like also, uh, you haven't watched a lot of Seinfeld. But there's this episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza is trying to get fired. So he keeps doing crazier and crazier things. Uh, but it's not working. And that's like, that's the vibe I'm starting to get from Snyder of like, how insane can I make Batman before they tell me to stop? I'm not saying it's like, it's bad stuff. It's just like, how weird can I get? How weird before they're like, Hey, you got to stop. It's like, what if I, uh, what if I chain Joker's head to Batman's belt? And they're like, yeah, cool. Do it. And I, I just, I have to imagine that he like pitched one more story where he's like, it's, it's gay Jewish. Oh, what's our description? Uh, gay Jewish black woman. It's gay Jewish. I thought it was transgender. No, it's, I think we just would do. I mean, like we can certainly throw transgender, but usually it's like black gay Jewish woman. Yeah, black gay Jewish woman Batman, and they were like, "Too nope, too far," because we can't have that in our comics. But that's the most diverse Batman that will ever exist, and one day I will write it, and then never write comics again. Yes, but specifically, just like how Marvel tried to make even though she had her own name within the comic you had to read invincible iron man to read the stories of riri williams you will have to read batman to follow the exploits of batman yes who is a gay black gay jewish black 
black cape. Wow, it's like a tongue twister. Anyway, well, um, before that goes way further than it already has. So, um, <laughs> no, that, that, that you you are kind of talking about Marvel's diversity. Stuff. Oh, right, right. You were going about to go on. I just want to say, I Marvel got themselves a little beat up this last weekend. Uh, for those who don't know, there was going to be a Punisher panel where they were potentially going to screen the first episode. Some rumors say they were going to release the season, uh, but following the very tragic events of Las Vegas, they pulled the panel, uh, and then Marvel was getting ready to have a panel based on this upcoming event they had uh, where they were teaming up with Northrop Grumman, uh, which is an uh, arms manufacturer, and that made billions off of the wars of the last 10 years. Yeah. And, you know, they were trying to be like, Hey, we're working with the, like the STEM side, the science, technology, engineering, math, but, uh, Oh, nope. Fans and creators were not having it. So that, uh, got hinted at and then immediately canceled unceremoniously. Uh, and then during the retailer panel, Marvel lost control of the room, and from some of the reports, things got pretty bad. It started off with people complaining about the constant events and renumbering. and, and, and Which all. is fair. Yep. And then it turned into some retailers complaining about the diversity. Uh, you know, why did you have to make Thor a woman? Why is Iceman suddenly gay? Uh, and then you had people booing and speaking up against those people. And I, I've, from what I understand, they just lost control of the room and shut everything down. And, and mm. there, I, I did read that there was two retailers specifically. that were kind of being really harsh critics when it came to the diversity side of things. And then mm -hmm. that it seemed like the general, um, uh, temperature or everyone else in the room was kind of then turn around and getting up on them to, um, you know, kind of get them to shush. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's like, on one hand, it's cool. I, I've, I've heard a little bit about the whole STEM program when it comes to like the science, and the math, I think it's a really good initiative uh, and a really good initiative for a company like Marvel to get behind with their reach when it comes to like adolescents and kids. Um, I don't, I'm not educated enough when it comes to something like Northrop Gunman, uh, or that whole field. Um, but you know, obviously, if that's something that a lot of people kind of have sour opinions on, it's certainly Marvel doesn't want to piggyback on that. But it's it's a complex situation. Well, and that's and that's one th one thing too that I don't think a lot of people realize is there is a division of Marvel that just tries to do corporate tie-ins, and they're not necessarily part of like the, the the creative heads of Marvel did not sit down and be like, what should we do? Let's team up with a weapons manufacturer. It's like, there's somebody whose job it is as part of the bigger Marvel machine to, you know, to get, create these partnerships. Yeah. To get Spider-Man's picture on a hostess cupcake. I think even Joe Quesada, who's like the chief creative officer, I can't remember his exact title right now at Marvel. So that he didn't even know about the, yeah. the partnership until, the announcement it, that it was being canceled. Yeah, yeah, until New York Comic Con. So this is not like some big thing that everybody at Marvel was really gearing up for. It is something that was happening that you know the greater Marvel company, uh, I guess Disney, you know, umbrella was was part of, and then yeah, it uh, it got it got rough. Yeah. Also. 
you said the word division a, a second ago, and if I ever get a chance to work for Marvel, I am having a series called Division, and it's about the Vision, the synthesoid Marvel character. Okay. Division. Yeah. Just I popped in my head. I felt inspired. I also felt like I needed to say it. So that's clearly my cap to this whole bad weekend for Marvel. Um, and I think actually this is the first week with Marvel Legacy, which I'll get into at least the Amazing Spider-Man side of that later on the show. Um, but have not checked the temperature as far as people, as far as how people are feeling right now with the initial releases. But you know, hopefully, you know, Marvel definitely needs a win. I feel like it's... the reception to Legacy compared to like how what DC got with Rebirth has been more lukewarm. Um, so. You know, I think Marvel and and like that's not to say that the work. Frankly, I've enjoyed a handful of books that Marvel's put out. You know, through the last several initiatives, like in any rough, you know, there's diamonds, diamond, whatever. There's a phrase there. Um, but um, you know, I, on one hand, I respect the need that like comic books are cyclical, so Marvel needs to kind of find a way back to like their touchstone characters. But I don't think they were ever doing anything wrong when it came to. Uh, emphasizing more diversity like diversity should not be a dirty word i'm not going to no. go on a tangent about it but just but it, it's it's sad to think that there are people having this discussion where they say that was the problem and i don't think that essentially was the problem i do think the over over reliance on events uh, a lot of like the double and triple shipping it felt like sometimes meant that well we were able to and to get a lot of books with a, a diverse array of characters, whether it be race, religion, or or whatever, you know, it's just more that it felt like certain creators were stretched thin. The on the art side, you had a lot of rotating artists, so you never had a, a consistent uh, artistic or aesthetic identity on the books. I think that was hurting Marvel a lot more. Whereas on the flip side, not to play the Marvel versus DC game. DC, like, even though they started doing bi-weekly on some of their books, they kind of went in what it felt like with more of a structured plan. There were some hiccups where, you know, artists that should have been on issue weren't on issue, but it was more like, hey, these two guys, like on Detective, you had Eddie Barrows and Alvaro Martinez, like, this is your book. And I feel like more often than not, they've been pretty consistent with just working on that book. So for like the last 24 issues or whatever of Detective Comics, we've had a very consistent look, which I think has helped the book immensely. Mm -hmm. I feel like Marvel needs to get back to that in some way, not just have Frank Cho do four issues, then have an artist with a completely different aesthetic <laughs> style take on it over and then rotate through different artists until you, until you put like your bottom of the barrel artist on and then it gets canceled and yeah. then relaunched. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's probably like a, a part of me that would have a couple years ago seen something like this and been like, oh, this is going to be really bad for Marvel. They're going to be reeling for like a really long time. And now I just look at it and I say like, well, Marvel had a bad couple of days, but uh, they're going to be all right. You know, because I remember a couple of years ago when people were like, Marvel is this the greatest thing ever. Look, everything they're doing is gold. It's like, oh, DC's these, like, they're these sticks in the mud, and they're, you know, everything's grim, dark, and horrible, and everyone's sad, and they're not, no one's having fun there. And now, like, the attitude is like, Marvel's, nobody knows what Marvel is doing. They're off the rails. But look at DC. DC just did this great relaunch that everybody loves. I'm having such a great time with DC. And it's like, it's, you know, you see the same thing in everything where there's sort of an us versus them, like, mentality of where there are two major parties you know 
there's a lot like a time where like Microsoft is totally doing weird stuff. What's Microsoft doing? Uh, Apple's like totally great. They seem so structured and, and wonderful and they're giving us what we want. And then the attitude shifts of like, Apple is expensive and for dumb fanboys, but look at over there at Microsoft. Microsoft's giving us what we want. Like this, it comes and goes in waves and we're going to, in six months, people will be singing the praise of Marvel and be like, DC, what are you doing? Or they'll be like, let's all give in to the one true valiant God and that'll be the end of that. And then it'll be, you know, Valiant. It'll be Valiant's turn. Yeah, uh, yeah it's always tough. I've, like, there's definitely certain brands I've gravitated towards in various capacities, but I've always had a hard time just being, like, a fanboy for any one brand, whether it be comics or clothes or technology or uh-huh. anything like that. Um, so it is unfortunate there's this, like, flip, like, because it's funny, like, people obviously, like, oh, DC, they're moving away from the Grim Dark, grim dark and then you read Metal Number 3, and you're like, Haha, no, they're not. There's hey. a panel with a knife through a guy's head. Um, We're going to talk about the wonderful unicorn that is metal in a little bit but you mean the freaking shitty unicorn sure okay um but (laughs) but um and i'm sure i have very well thought out arguments that you'll totally pull apart and i'll be like oh okay um you know so but hopefully marvel finds a way to kind of get back on their feet as far as like their critical reception goes um and and finds a way to both honor the diversity that i feel is necessary um as well as not alienating their initial fan base. Right. And my or issue old fan base right. or whatever. My issue with anything that Marvel has attempted with all the diversity stuff is not the diversity itself. It is how forced it feels at times. Where it's like, hey, we're gonna make this character a different gender. We're gonna make this character a different race. Why? Because that's what we want to like it just there's times where it feels totally ham fisted instead of, hey, this you know, this uh, like Riri Williams, if Riri Williams had been like a, a supporting character for years and it's like, now she's going to be Iron Man. That would have felt to me different than like, we just want Riri Williams to be Iron Man now. And I, what it would have been pretty interesting. I have two thoughts. One is if they actually did a transgender story of a person transitioning from a woman. Oh to yeah. A man that would be Riri Williams awesome. As Iron Man. Holy crap. Bendis missed opportunity. Yeah. Come on. Second thought real quick. My thing when it comes to people, and I'm, I'm not, like, shooting you, it's, like, a general you, but whenever, it, like, forced diversity comes up, it's just, like, on some level, I get it. Like, it can seem ham-fisted and forced when you turn, say, Thor into a woman, you know? And I get it's better to just be, like, having Falcon have a, you know, that Marvel pushes Falcon more, and that seems like, quote-unquote, more organic diversity. In my opinion, and people are welcome to have a different opinion, there really isn't any such thing about forced diversity. Again, diversity kind of paints this picture that there's white people, and then there's everyone else. I I guess, like, the the word forced diversity, I will say that as well. I I will say forced character change. More, like, poor execution. Poor, yeah. Or maybe not well thought out. Because obviously you want to be respectful to the variety of people in the world and to make sure the people being represented and then sometimes there's you know a swing and a miss when it comes to like a book coming out yeah yeah. you know but but at the same time like you could say that sam wilson becoming captain america and i think that play you were as you were saying like if Reed williams had been in the books for years and then became iron man that would have been different from her being in there for like six issues and then taking over the iron man book so i get that part but it's sometimes hard in certain capacities you know, for, for certain characters, like if you were going to make Thor a female, 
you know, who would you choose? What's cool is that they didn't just pick some random character they introduced to issue is they picked Jane Foster who's right. been there from the beginning yeah. to fulfill that slot. Right. Um, so I'm, I, anyway, I, all, I guess all I'm really saying is that, you know, I, I was totally down with it. I'm not, it's not, it wasn't beautiful across the board, but I'm at least going to give them props for trying. Now. And I, and I will say, yeah, the Falcon one is is like a, a real strong example of like, hey, this is a character that was very closely tied to this character for years, uh, and it's a really great opportunity because this is a black superhero in one of the most iconic, you know, for, at least from a Marvel standpoint, like iconic heroes because he's Captain America. We're gonna make a black guy Captain America. That's super awesome, and they had a really a natural character to do that with I, and like you said, like the Jane Foster stuff, it is someone who is very tied to Thor. I think, yeah, I just have kind of the problem of, of some of a character in the vein of Riri Williams, where they exist solely because we want this character to be Iron Man now. And I feel like I, I would feel the same way if it was like, we're introducing, you know, this, this brown haired dude to be Thor now, because we just want to make this guy Thor. Uh, Which Chris Hemsworth in Thor Ragnarok barely looks blonde. Oh yeah. They, like they, they gave up he on had that. His blonde hair and they shaved his hair off. And then it was like, Oh crap. Apparently Thor has been dying his hair yep. for a millennia. Yeah. Which is just, it's, it's funny. Well, I think I, you know, I, I think what we can walk away from the saying is that, diversity is not at all an issue with marvel this the guys who were complaining about that were real dumb and real stupid and deserved to be booed uh and i like how that devolved into like a five-year-old fight they were dumb and stupid. stupid i mean they were man they were being dumb and stupid no they they absolutely were it's just you know it's it's funny yeah and they should be running their business for their consume for the people who are coming into the shop not for what they want uh, and right. that's kind of, that's kind of a problem actually with the comics industry in a lot of ways is that the shops are run by fans. People were like, I am unhappy with, but like when, uh, when new 52 and then like rebirth was announced, people were like, I really don't like how they are doing this. So I am not going to carry DC books. What if you have someone coming in to get a DC book? Well, they can go somewhere else. They can go spend their money somewhere else. That's bananas. Right. Which we're, we're painting with, with a broad brush, like. At the same time, with a like, with a lot of re- like retailers in general, like they're obviously like I, I don't know if you know what how their 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 ordering goes if it's week to week, month to month, like how that's all set up when like a a diamond previews comes in. Um, but they're obviously constantly looking at like they know what their stock is, so they know that like this book comes in and then you know it sits on the shelf. And they've thus lost money because yeah. the whole freaking approach to diamond and, and like how they like the, the retailers get robbed in a lot of ways is pretty ridiculous. Um, but also even beyond like the retails part, it's not just enough for them to throw a book out there and say sink or swim. Cause it's always like, I remember reading interviews and like, I get it from a broad sense. I think Tom Brevoort has said this a handful of times through his Tumblr page or whatever. It's been a while, but that like every book kind of has to sink or swim on its own merits. And I totally get you, but, you do next to no advertising for book, you know, for, or you do a ton of advertising for book A, and then you do next to no advertising for book B. Book B fails, and you blame it that the book just didn't find its audience. And book A does does pretty well, and it's like, hey, like, it's just it's what people want. It's like you freaking advertise the crap out of it, 
and or, like or worse, no one ever heard of BookBeat. Or worse, you have the guy at Marvel who is blaming diversity on being why books don't sell. It's like, nah, you were just releasing books people didn't want to read, dude. That's kind of like the truth of it. It doesn't matter if the diversity is there or not. It's like you were introducing the weird books that were very specific to the culture of Wakanda that like five people found interesting. And that's awesome for those five people. But for most of us, you know, I got 20 bucks a week to spend on comics in my budget and I'm not going to spend it on the niche book when I got metal to buy. Speaking of metal, we... (laughs) All right, oh, you've got okay. you've got one more thought to share. Like I got we we got to okay. move on. We have been talking about we've been going for like forty minutes on this. Never mind. All right, you sure you good? Yeah, no, because no, you and I, I mean, are you and I are coming across on the same point here. No, no, I know. I was just I I had a counterpoint, but it's not counterpoint like, it's to not what? Important. Okay, what was your what was your counterpoint? It doesn't. I want. I think people want to hear about metal now. They want to hear, especially my opinion on it, and definitely not yours. Okay, so I think well, we should give the audience what they want. Well, all right. Well, let's get, I'm going to play this now. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Why don't, before we talk about how great metal is, you tell me how amazing Spider-Man number 789 was. Clever way to, to segue into that. Uh, amazing Spider-Man number 789 was okay. Uh, I will admit up front, though, like though I've been a pretty consistent reader of Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man run, for the last uh, since at least around superior spider-man and on and then i've gone back and caught up i think on everything leading up to that um you know i haven't read the last few issues that kind of tied in with norman osborne returning and secret empire and doc ock and all that um so i was a little lost but i was like all right you know what uh it's got Stuart and moan art uh yada 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 like it's the start of a new arc let me jump back in with this i'll catch up on the other issues when i remember that they're on my work desk and or through marvel unlimited in a year um and so where we pick up uh was the fall of parker storyline so it looks like in the previous arc uh during the events of secret empire and apparently doc ock attempted a hostile takeover parker industries uh spider-man save slash peter parker saved the day by demolishing his company um selling it selling stuff off like it, I, some stuff i had to just assume based on what i was reading in this issue but basically parker industries is no more um and all of its assets are being sold off and everyone friggin hates peter parker uh and they also hate spider-man because why you always have to hate spider-man um so what we get uh as a result is a peter parker that is crashing on his barely a girlfriend's couch um wearing her i thought this was kind of cool he's wearing her uh uh mockingbirds tell me about my feminist agenda shirt uh for those that don't know peter parker and mockingbird have started becoming a thing and that carries it to this arc uh, which is an interesting pairing um but i'm kind of pretty okay with it for now um but we get a down on his luck uh, a peter pity party which is just it's not my favorite version of peter to read one thing that i, I like dan Slott's perspective when it comes to peter which is you know his whole um you know reason for being basically was that he made a selfish choice and and suffered the consequences of that and it's not that like 
it's not that Peter's a bad person. You know, everyone's, everyone has the capacity for selfishness, but how he's tried to portray Peter as a person who's inherently selfish, constantly recognizing his own failings and trying to be better as a result, not just someone who's inherently good and never screws up or the screw ups are always external. It's that he's someone that has selfish thoughts, sometimes get caught, gets caught up in his own whims and then suffers the consequences. And sometimes that's through his actions as Spider-Man. Sometimes it's through his actions as Peter Parker. I think that's a really interesting approach. And the whole like Peter Parker being a billionaire CEO of his own company and all that, like the Peter Parker version of a Tony Stark is also a really, really cool idea. And, and I knew it was never going to last. So I knew we were going to have the inevitable fall of Peter of Parker industries and Peter kind of having to figure out how, like what his next step is, but kind of Peter moping and just like laying on a couch and just kind of being overly whiny. I think the problem is that while well, I really like Dan Slott's approach to Peter, uh, his I- idea of Peter Parker, his execution sometimes is just really off. Like Peter just comes off as very juvenile, which isn't a particular aspect of Peter that I enjoy. I don't really care for the man-child character. And that was showing up here in spades. Uh, as Peter kind of, again, figures out its next step. Uh, we do touch base with a lot of sub- classic supporting uh, Spider-Man characters, which was nice to kind of see where they're at now, from Flash Thompson to Betty Bryant to Joe Robertson. Um, Harry Osborne, who goes by Harry Lyman now, uh, is getting back together with his ex-wife, Liz Allen. A lot of, There is a lot of interesting stuff going on, but it really, it was Peter, it was Spider-Man. It was the amazing Spider-Man Oh no! Interesting character. Oh, you just you froze for just a second there. So you said it was no. the Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man is what brought the Amazing Spider-Man down. Like Dan Slott's execution of Peter Parker at this point, I'm just not a particular fan of. The fact that I liked his portrayal of a megalomaniac taking over Peter's body more than Peter Parker himself, I think, says a lot about the problems with his, for me at least, for his execution of Peter Parker. Hmm. Um. So not loving the start. Stuart Amona's art, of course, was phenomenal as usual. Some weak panels I saw, like maybe it was a little bit rushed, but overall still a strong showing from a particularly strong artist. Um, so at this point, uh, I've, you know, I've been definitely chopping a lot of books, you know, from like what I read from a week or month, monthly basis. Uh, I might at this point kind of go back to leaving Amazing Spider-Man for the Marvel Unlimited binge um but we will see how that goes all right cool stuff so if you uh hate dan slot don't read this issue <laughs> well this week i'm not talking about a comic i'm actually going to talk about a tv show the flash came back this week and i managed to catch the first episode which will probably be the only episode i catch uh on a, a fairly regular basis before i just wait for the cw binge to begin again uh, I have, did not catch the Supergirl premiere, but I'm sure I will catch up sometime this weekend when I'm also catching up on Arrow. Anyway, The Flash, which I believe the title of the, of the episode is Reborn or Flash Reborn or something like that. Uh, for those who did not finish Season 3 of The Flash, I'm going to talk a little spoilery here. But uh, you have Barry Allen leaving at the end of that season to go stay in the Speed Force prison because a prison has been constructed within the Speed Force that needs an occupant, and if someone is not in there, the Speed Force become begins to like break down and destroy the universe. Sure, why not? Uh, 
it's been six months since the events have happened, so we kind of get a glimpse into what life was like without Barry Allen. Uh, I don't think long enough of a glimpse, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, spoiler alert, by the end of the episode, Barry Allen is back and a little bit crazy, but they managed to, I guess, set him right uh, for the future events, and we also get a hint at this season's Big Bad already, and that is The Thinker. This is coming off the heels of a season that a lot of people were not incredibly happy about for having a darker tone, so I will say that this season, while it does still kind of carry a little bit of that, it does seem to be promising that this season is going to be a little more lighthearted. I know the next episode features quite a bit of Barry Allen struggling with his new suit, which uh, apparently has many new functions he doesn't need, but will cause all sorts of shenanigans for him as he's running around. Uh, I'm excited to see a little bit of a lighter tone. I, you know, thinking back on the whole Savitar storyline, it really wasn't my favorite and yeah it was a little bit dark and also not a giant fan of iris on the show and that season was heavily concentrated on iris and you really caring about iris and if i'm not the world's biggest iris fan it doesn't have the same impact on me uh you know she's had her ups and downs i I don't want to say that i'm always disliking her I don't even say I dislike her. I'm just I'm very lukewarm on her. Uh, I really like the way that we had Wally stepping up a bit in this episode. I'm hoping we're going to see more from his character. We don't have a new Harrison Wells yet, so we don't know how that's going to break down. Overall, I would say this is a, a strong opening to what is hopefully going to be a strong season. We hopefully are going to have a little bit more fun as things progress. And I will watch it uh, probably next year on Netflix. Because let's be honest with ourselves, I don't really have the time to keep up on shows. That means I have to stop listening to one of the 85 podcasts I listen to. And that's just way more important. Uh, so, Bat, uh, the, not Batman, uh, The Flash Reborn, season four premiere. If you are caught up, definitely check it out. If you're not caught up, well, there's three seasons of The Flash to watch on Netflix, and go have yourself a good time. Anyway, I believe it's now time that we're going to dive into our discussion on... Nick, what are you doing? I... what I was you, looking at... You keep leaning in really close to the screen. They don't, the listeners don't need to know that. Well, I, it's weirding me out. Well, you're a weird person. Yeah, metal that's number true. three by metal Scott three. Snyder. Sorry, Dark Knights. Metal number metal, three. Dark Knights. Dark Knights metal. Dark, Either way, it's like Dark Knights. Uh, written by metal. Scott Snyder and drawn by Greg Capullo. It is a book that came out, and I didn't like it. And, and it was great to read the rest of the series. All right. For people but... who don't know what's going on in Dark Knight's Metal, here's a very quick breakdown. There is this thing called the Dark Multiverse. That Dark Multiverse is generated by the evil dark thoughts of the people of the normal Earth, apparently. Uh, there is somebody named Barbados, Barbados, who is this great dark evil entity who really wants earth prime and so he collected a bunch of 
these Batmen from the Dark Universe who have now come into the Prime world and are wrecking it. And uh, some nefarious plan is happening. The heroes of the world have... uh, Most of them have either been turned or something terrible has happened to them. Uh, And those that have survived were saved by a, a small band of people. And in this issue... Now they are, well, they're the heroes are going to try and save the day, but as we find out in the end of the issue, it might be too late. <sighs> we will probably be getting into spoilers, so if you have not read any of the metal books so far, I'm sorry. Nick, why didn't you like this? There's a lot of stuff I just felt the How overall How does it feel flow... to be the only person who doesn't like this? Let me also ask that question. Well, I don't think that's the case. I'm sure there are other people that didn't like it. Yeah, it but just... they don't listen to this. Hmm. <laughs> um, there, one thing I appreciate about the event uh-huh. is the fact that it does touch on a lot of different corners of the DC universe, which, which is nice. Like the, the use of the oblivion bar in the, in the book was really cool. Um, just uh, the nature of the fact that it was there per se, but, and this is, this is kind of, I guess Scott Snyder doing his best, like every kind of like what you were saying, like he's literally taking every crazy idea he can think of. I mean, you've got like a panel with freaking fire breathing Joker dragons surrounding Barbados. Yeah, that was so awesome. And I'm like, look okay, at, and like on a lot of these ideas, when I like take t- tackle them in an isolated, like thought process, like I get like why they're appealing or cool or was like fun to think about. Like, what if I had a panel of freaking fire breathing Joker dragons? That yeah. is a fantastic sentence to say out loud. It's awesome. And that was actually one of the more benign things in the book that I didn't, like I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't necessarily was like, yeah, that works. Like, I'm not upset with it. Um, but there's so much going on. It felt like in a lot of cases, either it was dedicating too much time to certain scenes or just blowing through other stuff. It's it's a lot. It's an overwhelming book. So that could it could be a me problem. It might not necessarily be a book of the book's problem. Um, but with all these different things going on, um it just, it feels like the book's struggling to maintain its own weight. And I'm feeling it even on sort of like an ethereal, in an ethereal or way, or I'm probably using the wrong word. But ethereal just, way is what you're trying ethereal. to say. Ethereal. But it's, it's not, it's not clicking with me. Some right. of it's like the dialogue with the characters so, doesn't always, what? Let me, let me, let me surprisingly slightly back some part of what you have set up. Not that I, this book is amazing and, and you're wrong, but this issue does spend a lot of time on exposition, uh, which I think is not obviously in something like this, there's got to be a good amount of exposition because there is so much going on. And that is unfortunate because it does definitely slow things down a little bit. And for the reviews that I I have looked into, that's kind of where it gets dinged a little bit. Uh, But let me say though, I am looking at reviews and according to comic book roundup based on like 20 reviews, the general critic rating is pretty dang good. Uh, also user rating. I'm not sure. Many, uh, yeah, there's, uh, people are enjoying this book. So one thing that I really like is that they established, yes, we're going to be drawing on DC continuity, but you know, this isn't, this isn't a line wide event. This is not affecting every corner. This, 
is a limelight event, and the event okay. one of my on. my picks on the book is is how it's treated like a limelight event. I'll get to that in a second. All right, how is it? Uh, no, let's bring. How's this treated like a limelight event? Okay, first off, and this is I'm just gonna while I'm thinking about it, their use the editor's use of their editor caption boxes not doing it for me. When you roll up with this kind of disheveled, badass-looking Nightwing, and they make a Game of Thrones reference in it, like don't get me wrong, it's cheeky, it's clever, but it takes me out of the story. That suddenly I'm just like, I love editor caption boxes. Like I've been loving them in the spectacular Spider-Man book from Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, because Chip, um, Chip loves to do that. He did it all over Howard the Duck too. Right, right, right. And those books are humorous books that that kind of are able to leverage those boxes you know to great effect whereas this is like the like a dark brooding batman story where shit is really hitting the fan but wait a second for more on john snow nightwing read gotham resistance winter came eddie and tay thank you eddie and tay for writing the good game. Okay. Of all right. Train. So, all right. So, but that, now that's... I have to go read Gotham resistance to understand why Nightwing looks like Jon Snow. Okay. They say, if you want to know what's up with that, I feel like they do like a good enough job. They're like, Hey, we try to take back Gotham. It didn't go well. If, right. Honestly, like, okay. So the... if you feel like, if you feel compelled, like you have to go read that, that's you. But I feel like me, I yes. want to go read that because I'm enjoying it, but I didn't feel like, well, I need to go hunt this down now. So either a, just have the caption box saying, for more information, read Gotham Resistance. Yeah. Or don't put it in a separate one-shot or mini-series. It's nice when they can't... Yeah, like, I, don't, I agree. This is a limelight event, but a limelight in the sense that like the, the, the there's a lot of additional supplemental material that can be picked up, though it's usually like a one-shot here or two or three-issue mini-series there. That's, it's all that's fine. But any event I read that pulls this shit gets dinged for it so that's one of the dings in fact we should create a whole new rating system around dings we'll talk about it later okay see Um, all right all right all right i get i get but you have to admit the personal frustration for you and then that's fine that's that's all that's all i can discuss is i can't i can't give someone else's review of this book no no okay okay that's very true but i would not say that this is necessarily a line what i'm saying line-wide event the dc universe doesn't stop because this is happening a couple of books get a one-time issue that are like hey you know here's the suicide squad dealing with this but it's not going to be like the next three issues of suicide squad are about metal i get it but a couple different things there sometimes rarely but sometimes writers find a way to take the event that's happening and use it to move their own story forward. And in cases like that, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. But you just you just said rarely though. They rarely Yeah, in the rare instances it's really nice. But but in general, a lot of times it derails the ongoing story. Oh, okay, I I get what you're saying. Yes, that is that yes, I will And then go to so and I understand from a business standpoint, like the impetus for creating, like to have multiple buy-ins to expand mm-hmm. this story. Yeah. And, that, and, it's that, just, and that's also bullshit that's been happening since the beginning of comics. Time. It has. And like I said, every event that's done, it gets dinged. Right. You want to, you, even those ones that are like, Oh, Hey, cool. We're going to have Spider-Man and Hulk team up. And you read the issue of Spider-Man. It's like, want to see how the story concludes better go by Hulk. It's like you sons of and bitches. I'm, I'm shitting on this Gotham versus, but I haven't read it yet. So I can't really say it, but I'm just going to pretend like, okay, so I'm reading this event and yes, here's this cool looking Jon Snow, Nightwing, John wing, night snow oh night snow anyway um that you know 
is cool. I would be interested in learning more about it, but I do have to go read Gotham Resistance. Now, let's say I'm enjoying metal, which I'm not. Let's say if I was, then I go read Gotham Resistance, which again is supplemental material. It tells the story, but a lot of times these stories just kind of give you a perfunctory, like by the numbers, these events happen. All right, goodbye. So it's like, here I am excited reading this book and I go read this thing that's supposed to be really cool. And it's like, they just farted it out because they need to get that material out there. Again, I'm shitting on something I haven't read. I'm just using it as an example, yeah. which is why I hate when events do this. So I got, and then you get the stupid editor caption that tells like a uh, already outdated just, joke. What? How is that outdated? That... Not outdated. Like Game of Thrones was very much in the summer. Like we get it. Everyone loves Game of Thrones. I love yeah, Game, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is part of the, part of the freaking zeitgeist 24 seven. I, I you... get that, which is why like, Am I it only allowed to... to be a reference Am I only allowed to make Game of Thrones references while Game of Thrones is on air? Because bad news, buddy. For the next 20 years, I'm making Game of Thrones references. That's fine. But don't interject them in a story like this. I think you could agree with that. Come on. Come on. You're reading this dark story. It didn't take me out of it. It didn't take me out of it. All the heroes are fucking struggling. Their cities are falling apart. There's robo-Elfrids all over the place, which I think you'll get to in the Murder Machine. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not talking about Murder Machine this week. What are you sorry, talking about? That, I did talk about it. Oh, yeah. you left the notes in and my brain got confused because it's oh. running at like a mile a minute. Um, but then here's this caption box again, just making like a fun. Like, yeah, it's, it's a joke, but it, it was in the wrong place. Ah, also for, telling me to go for, do something you, I don't want to do. Look, this issue has got some, just so many great things. Like we've got Damien punching Nightwing, which for some reason was oddly great to me. Uh, we have, I mean, first of all, art, top tier top notch uh we have just the wonderful grant morrison-esque music element of everything where it's like the only way i could communicate to you was music and i tried to in this really specific grant morrison-esque way like i can't even believe that scott snyder's brain could work on that level uh you also have the incredibly great line of deathstroke asking aquaman how mermaid sex works which that was, you gotta admit that was a great line uh i i you know i'm i'm going to agree with you that this issue has issues of its own uh it could have oh, oh, oh. this, this issue has issues like you have this this like scene where superman has this real sense of urgency and he's flying around and then he's like suddenly in this big fight against all these evil batmen and i'm really curious how that weird aqua woman is also a bruce wayne uh but then, like, it gets interrupted by, all right, you're going to get pulled to this place, and we're going to talk for the next five pages, and things are going to get real slow, uh, and we're going to find a way that is really going to make uh, Steel relevant again, which I'm totally fine with. Don't get me wrong on that at all. Love me some Steel. Love me some Steel. As you said, here's several pages of heavy exposition going over the whole thing that... Now we're going to find more reasons for more tie-ins where this group A is going to go find, go find this metal in this place. Group B is going to go find metal in this place. Everyone gets magic metal. And it's just... It's, eh, Look, man, eh. I think that you're... You, I get tired reading this. I think you're... you're put, like, you're... You want to be frustrated. I'm well. Okay, that is not fair. That's like throwing virtue at sing, virtue signaling at someone, which is like one of the. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up, but clearly I'm tired. But, um, but just because I disagree with what's apparently the popular opinion, 
like suddenly I'm looking for a reason. Okay. Let me let me I'm ask you. Let me ask you this. Right let now. me ask you this. How many more books do you think? Now, uh, okay. Uh, not counting, like not counting like Batman the Drowned, Batman the Merciless, Batman the Devastator. How many like other books do you think are going to get interrupted because of this event? The my point wasn't about the books being over. That was like a side tangent. Like I'm not paying attention to any of these tie-ins. So I couldn't okay. really tell you. Right. I, but, but my I, but... point is, is that in the main book, the book that you should have everything in it that you need. I would, I would argue, I would out. argue that you have everything that you need in that book. Yes. I've read the tie-ins, but no way that I feel like I need to read the tie-in to understand what, uh, what murder machine is doing in this issue? Uh, they meant but, okay. Oh, oh, but so okay. You introduce at the end of page at the end of cha- uh, issue two. We're introduced to all these guys. Now uh-huh. I realize it's a tall order. You introduce like six or however many freaking evil Batman there are. You know, to to give them enough space where you have a clear understanding of this character. I get the conceit of the the um the one shot issues featuring each of these evil batman but again this is is the main story and instead of like accepting the fact that we might need an issue to slow down and touch on these characters that are supposed to be really important go find out more about them in their own one shots because what happens is we get this big dramatic introduction And then it jumps seven days you, into the future you, so that there's enough time to cover are, it in all this other material. You're complaining. You are complaining there is too much going on here. There is too much. And now you're saying, but they should take time to explain who these people are. There's, okay, first off, that's, there's there's a couple different layers or, or ways to look at that. There is a lot. There's a lot even going on in this You're issue. saying there's too much so, going on, and you're saying they should add more stuff going on. First off, you, you're fighting one argument. Uh, Okay, hold on. Let me click my head for a second. Yes, I am saying that there's a lot going on with what we already have. So from one perspective, obviously I get why, like, now I, I'm, I realize it's ridiculous that I'm saying, now take all this other, this other material and put it, like, expand, put in even more stuff. I get that. But that, to me, is a problem with the book itself and the narrative that's been built do up. You, do you honestly feel like you needed i mean true we're only halfway through this event we don't know what the next three issues are going to look like but have you felt at any point so far that you needed the backstory on murder machine on don needing the backstory okay actually it's a mix of things to an extent yes my point is that they introduced these important characters and then in this next issue when they appear, it's almost all action. There's some minor stuff we can infer from their dialogue, either that's like explicitly told to us or just like kind of from their personality and, and how they're interacting with their environment or with other characters. Um, but I don't understand any of them. And that is a problem with any event book, Marvel or DC or anyone. When you have so many characters occupying a room, if you don't already have a buy-in with these characters or familiarity with these characters... I feel like for people, and I realize metal would not be the book you hand to a new fan, but even to a casual fan or a mild fan, like it's, it's like, for me, I know almost all these characters. So I'm reading it and I'm like, I get it. I know, like I can see why they're using that character, why the character's there, but no one else does. 
So with that fact that there is so much going on, the things that I feel could be important or maybe should be important don't get touched. I don't know. I, and, I, and this is coming from somebody who's reading the tie-ins um, uh, for the individual characters. I did not feel like any of that backstory was important to this, and that's fine. I knew it wasn't necessarily going to be in these first three issues, but at no point also did I feel like, uh, like, oh boy, if you if I if you hadn't read the Red Death issue, like you're really not going to get what's going on there. They even like hinted at uh at what the Devastator's whole thing is about, uh having to do with like the the Doomsday virus. Right. I, yes, they do. But there's still not a ton to go on. Like these characters. My my thing is, and this again, a problem with a lot of events is that it's building up this like near impossible threat that I don't know how they're going to like win in a satisfactory way. They're going to win. We know they're going to win. Dude, but they're going to win it in the most Grant Morrison way possible. It's going to via he's, Zack he's, Snyder, who he, should be just doing Zack Snyder. You mean Zach, Scott oh Snyder? God, Zach, Scott Snyder. I'm not, you know, I'm using Grant Morrison as like as a reference right here. I'm not saying that Scott Snyder's ripping off Grant Morrison. No, no, no. What I am he's saying, he's obviously playing with a lot of ideas. And my set is like, I want Zack Snyder to do his best Zack Snyder. You're not still saying Grant Zack Morrison. Snyder, not not Scott Snyder. Crap. Scott here's, Snyder. Here's how it's going to ah. end. You're going to have. You're going to have. Uh, they are going to melt the essence of Batman down, and put it into a, a batarang, and then throw that at Barbados. And that will be what kills him, but it'll also secretly send Bruce Wayne back in time, uh, and then we'll we'll finally understand what Final Crisis was all about. We've been talking about so, this book. Oh, oh, and this uh, there was there was the, the bit like basically the the at the very end the cliffhanger. Superman, you know, decides when they're trying to figure out where all the 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 team A, B, and C all have to go. He says, like, nope, we've got to go into the darkness because that's where Bruce is and we need to go rescue him and we're going to rescue him because he's our friend, which is, like, totally a Superman thing to do. Yep. He gets there. They find out it's a trap. That the whole thing the issue was setting up being like, hey, remember how I keep making you think that you won and then I tear it away from you to destroy your hope? Uh Yeah. Yeah. Don't listen to me. Superman did not listen. He still went in. He was very high strung. It was a trap. And it turns out that it's not Batman that's the battery. It's Superman. Superman's energy, but uh, Batman is still okay. We don't fully know what all is going to happen yet because we're halfway through this event. I, it's I, what they want all along. Yourselves, you're the real battery, Clark. The circuit is complete. Basically, indicating he was uh, he was the power source. Also, their whole code thing about his is CD for Clark and Diana, and mine's Diana and DB and yeah. whatever, like. Okay, I got. I I think there's a conceit. Or no, I thought that was for them great. To have. I thought that was great. Okay, but then his, so Batman's thing again through the music, which Superman didn't catch it, even though Superman I felt like was at the center of all like the music related stuff that Grant Morrison did. Not to say that like he it should have been like on his mind constantly. Didn't he obviously sing someone to death? Yeah, he he. I think it was like the vampire Superman or something like that. I'd have to go back. It was in Final Crisis. I'd have to oh, go back God, and look, Final which Crisis is cool, which is bananas. really cool. But bat so Batman reaches out through the music, but reverses the code. Yes, it's so great what, what, to say, "Don't come here." That. Uh, 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 it's just no. It that no. Stupid. That is that no. It is great. It, it is awesome. Stupid. I the think... use of the music idea was cool, 
But the fact that all like all he did to try and warn Superman not to come here was to put make it DC instead of CD. Yeah, reverse the code. It's awesome. Yes, because that's the only way he could communicate was through the music. That's it's, it's stupid code. Great. Oh come on! It's a stupid. It's a stupid code. No, my name is Nick. I just want to hate everything. I got, I'm glad this is devolving into like a five year old fight. Well, because that's uh, that's what that's what you're turning into. It's dumb. Why? Because it's dumb. But that's not. I'm trying to give like reasons why I found certain stuff annoying. Why did you? Why did you think that the code thing was dumb? <sighs> because you think it's dumb. No, no, it's not. It's it, it is it is dumb. And I'm on the spot, and I'm always really bad with coming up with reasons on the spot. I'm just saying, when I was reading this issue, I'm reading it, you know, bare minimum. I've said a lot, clearly, like, you know, I, I've been, like, the hater on this, and you've been the lover, and that's great. Like, I'm glad we could have a back and forth on this. At the end of the day, I simply read it, and through the course of reading it, was recognizing that I was not enjoying it. And there's, and maybe certain reasons have logic as far as, like, a structural or narrative reason that just simply didn't click, or it could just be aesthetic or just some weird alchemic, alchemic, you know, thing that just, just did not work for me. At the end of the day, metal is just, it's not working for me. And it's totally working for me. And I just looked up that page from final crisis where Superman sings and the worlds of the multiverse vibrate together, dark side, and make this sound like an orchestra. Everything's just vibrations, really, and counter vibrations that cancel them out. And then Superman sings the counter vibrations and blows up. God, if you guys, if you guys think that metal is a trip, go read Final Crisis, and then wake up in six days and not Final know Crisis where you've trip. Not also, know where a book been. that that committed a lot of the same sins that metal is committing now. Uh, also in this, this is a nitpick, but I think it's a very important one. Did detective chimp get killed? I because th- he, ooh, that is a great I read question. it as him staying behind with Nightmaster to hold off the, the evil Batman. And we get a panel later with a sword or a dagger or whatever through Nightmaster's head. What happened to detective chimp? Cause you cannot tell me that they killed Detective Chimp. That's like killing a dog in a movie. Detective Chimp, DC. That's true. That is left a a bit. Yeah. Oh, and the reverse code is DC. Of course. Of course it is. And you know how many times... You didn't even recognize that until now? Oh, no. uh, No, I did. No, that's what I'm saying. Of course course it was. And like, how many times do you think they're going to mention 52 by the time this is over? Like, yes, bring it on. Have they mentioned 52 at any point? Who knows? I'm just so excited about all this bananas. This is going to be our longest episode in a while, so I'm going to have to force us to stop talking about the wonder that is metal. And I think like I think both of us at some point in this conversation just took on character personalities where like you probably started acting like you hated metal more than you do and I started acting like I'm totally like gaga over metal more than I am for the sake of entertainment and that's what I appreciate about what we do. We don't have time to get into recommendations because we have been going over so I'm just going to go ahead and give the rundown of where you can find us and we want to hear all about which okay I actually had a recommendation today I was all excited about bringing it up and then of course it's the one week where you take it away from me. Well, uh, if you're not reading Birthright, you should all check out Birthright. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've recommended Birthright in the past. Actually, you have. Uh, well, it's you been have. several, probably at least 10 issues since the last time I recommended it. So, and 
I'm recommending it again because the story is bananas. We want to hear what your thoughts on uh, on Dark Knight's metal is. So please do tell us which one of us is wrong, which one of us is right, or maybe it's somewhere in between. Only you can decide. When uh, whoever has the most votes by next week well, gets to live. The other one will die. Uh, you can find out how to contact us by heading on over to our website, heckyeahcomics.com, or shoot us an email at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can find me on Twitter at davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find Nick secretly touching himself to metal wherever that happens. What, what the f- And what you can the- find us here next week. Same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel. Worst episode ever.